This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, stackers. For those of you that don't know my story, I messed up a lot of stuff early before I understood how money worked. And one of the things I messed up, my student loans took out student loans that I probably shouldn't have taken out. Didn't think of that as real money, right? Just thought of it as debt that someday I'd pay off later. Didn't have any type of debt strategy. Well, we have Amanda Wood on Thursday doing a webinar with us. Amanda is the whiz at SoFi who knows when not to refinance your student loans. Part of the frustration with student loans is the fact that people don't have enough opportunities to find out from experts what the right debt strategy is if you have to have student loans at all. So if you have student loans, you're thinking about a student loan, when's the right time not to refinance your student loans or to refinance your student loans? We'll also have a Q&A while we have Amanda. We have her for an hour and here's when it's going to be. Thursday, that's April 20th at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So for everything you need to know, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash webinar. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash webinar. We'll have a bunch of fun. This guy who has face for radio and uh, Amanda Wood. All right, let's get this party started. So you'll pick me up tonight at 745? Oh, well, no, I got a few things to, to take care of first, but what, why don't we make it quarter to eight? <laughs> Stop it. Okay, 745. <laughs> You're listening to The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my triumphant return driving this podcast. Look, I don't know what you heard on Friday. Something about me selling Joe's mom's rock collection or some bullshit story like that. Look, here's what really happened. I was in the front yard washing my rocks off when I come down to the basement and see that jerk face Steve Stewart sitting in my chair. Yeah, Steve, last time I ever call you the amazing Steve Stewart, kiss that goodbye. Anyway, it's your lucky day because I'm back and on today's show, help us welcome the author of You're a Badass at Making Money, Jen Sincero. Also, because tax day is tomorrow, we welcome the chief tax officer from Jackson Hewitt, Mark Steber. Of course, we'll pile on some financial headlines, my amazing trivia, answer a call on the Haven Lifeline, and more. And here they are, two guys who should have never let that evil Steve Stewart take over Friday's show, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! That's how the pros do it. Just stay in the shallow end of the pool, dude. 
Happy Monday. We are back and across the card table from me, it's the one and only other guys. We call him OG. What's your favorite Easter candy that the Easter Bunny brought you yesterday? Anything Reese's Pieces, so those Reese's, okay. those Reese's eggs. You know, mom's always like, Joe, where are you going with all those Reese's eggs in your pocket? Is that a Reese's egg in your pocket? Yeah. Or are you happy to see Easter? I'm like, it's like 27 Reese's I like those uh, commercials where the chocolate bunny is like hopping and they got the very white music. And then he like leans in and kisses the peanut butter and then poof, mm. then, the, then the Reese's egg is born. And there's the egg, right? Yeah. Is, is that how it works? Is that how mom described the birds and the bees to you? Well, yeah, that's how it works, right? You know what the best discussion I ever had with mom was, was when she sat me down and she said, son, you got to head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money in your life because that attracts people to you. You know why? Because then it shows, Joe, that you're a guy that likes to save $450 on average when you shop for your financial products, whether it's your checking account, your savings account, even those debt products. She said, Joe, most people don't have a debt strategy but you got to make sure that you have one. And the best place to go to is the place that has over 92% of all the available stuff when it comes to personal loans, student loans, auto loans, credit cards. And if you pay your bills every month like you should, Joe, she would say, get the reward points. So head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money to do that. And the place that magnify money calls number one, wherever they compete, is SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, they're the leader in marketplace lending, and they will help you with student loans, personal loans, and mortgages. Here's how it works. You head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SOFI, and it'll ask you what type of help you're looking for. And from that point, you fill in a few details about you. And like our friend Dan Macklin over at SoFi says in a few seconds, in most cases, you'll know everything about how they can work with you. You'll pick from different terms, check out the interest rates on variable and fixed rate options, and get the ball rolling. In fact, it's so easy Magnify Money lists their fine print rating as A+, meaning it's all easy to understand. You're looking for lower rates and a good partner. They're looking for a new member to help. For your mortgage, student loans, personal loans, stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. In fact, use our link and they will throw in $100. How about that? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. And by the way, that's on uh, personal loans and student loans, I should say, not, not on mortgages. That's against the rules, OG. And mom lays down some tough rules. These aren't even mom's rules. These are the big boy rules. Because those are never broken. <laughs> yeah, never. No, nobody breaks those. Nobody breaks those. Right. Especially when we talk about the financial companies, right? Mm -mm. Jen Sincero is a badass. And she is going to be a badass at helping us finally figure out how to make some money. Uh, fantastic book. And she's hilarious. Uh, so she's been a musician, a comedian. Uh, she's a success coach, Jen Sincero, coming down to the basement. But first, we've got some headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Of course, we're going to have a big headline about tomorrow here coming up, OG. But before we get to that, this comes to us from Napa-Net, the National Association of Plan Advisors, people that handle 401ks and pension plans, that type of thing. It says retirement plans dominate TDF holdings. I thought this was this was really cool. A new report finds that 88% of target date fund mutual fund assets were held through deferred compensation plans. Report from the Investment Company Institute notes that as of the end of last year, new data out shows the target date mutual fund assets totaled $887 billion 
up 1.5% in the fourth quarter and up 16% for the year. How about that? Yeah, target date funds, my absolute favorite. <laughs> but you know what? In, a, in all seriousness, I'm glad to see because you and I used to see what we used to see is somebody would come in and they're like, yeah, I have this uh, 401k, been saving in it for five or six years. It's all in the stable value fund. Right, right. What did you pick? I didn't pick anything. And you know what's happening in most of these cases. The target date fund is probably the, the new default option in the case. And right. uh, the money's going there. So better than nothing. Yeah, so target date funds, a lot worse places you can put your money. Yeah, and, and still not the best place to put your money in most cases. Uh, but I'd rather have that than a stable value fund, which is like a cash account or you know, just some government bond fund or something. I said assets and IRAs totaled $7.9 trillion at the end of the fourth quarter of 2016, an increase of 1.1% from the end of the third quarter. While government-defined benefit plans, including federal, state, and local government plans, held $5.5 trillion in assets as of the end of December, a 2.4% increase. So uh, pension plan assets actually went up the highest of any of these, which which is good. Maybe maybe pension fund managers are finally finding a way to get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, use target date funds instead of buying, you know, bridges and weird, weird investment products that they get pitched. Right. Crazy stuff. I'll have a link to this in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. And in our second headline, tomorrow, you know, is the big day, everyone. Procrastinators might be celebrating the extra three days they get to file their taxes this year, but there are more of them this year. The IRS reports nearly 6 million fewer returns have been filed to date this year versus last. And to help people cram it all in, we have from Jackson Hewitt on My Dad Shortwave, the Chief Tax Officer, Mr. Mark Steber joins us. Welcome to the party, Mark. Good day, Joe. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is a rough day for you guys, isn't it? Are the, all the Jackson Hewitt offices just packed today? Uh, I wouldn't say packed. We staff up for this extra volume with extra hours, extra people. And, you know, if you know a good tax person, they love this kind of thing. So it's what we live for. <laughs> right. Right. Tax nerds galore today. And I do have one other question before we get to this last minute stuff, which is you were the chief tax officer working with a bunch of tax people. How do you become chief tax officer, Mark? Is that like king of the hill at Jackson Hewitt? <laughs> It's kind of an unusual career goal when you're going through college, but I was a CPA in a big four firm for many years and really got to where I wanted to help folks uh, save more and keep more of their money. And I found that at Jackson Hewitt, we identified that a lot of folks are underserved with the you know, tax professional, the migration to doing it yourself, or I'll get my dad to help. Really just not a good model. So they brought me on several years ago to kind of help bring quality tax preparation to the hardworking folks and getting more of their money back into their pocket where it should be. Well, everybody's got a hobby, Mark, and it's great to hear the enthusiasm in your voice around taxes, especially today, because as you know, when we cram, we make a bunch of mistakes. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen on returns this year? Well, computers have helped, you know, stop the math error, the tax computation error, errors that, you know, my dad and I had when I was coming out. But there's still a lot of fat finger going on, uh, you know, at the last minute. And if you put an extra zero or an extra dollar value on that withholding or, God forbid, even less, you know, there's no real good system that's going to catch that. Uh, you may catch it when you have a lower refund or some crazy bigger refund, but fat fingering still happens. Transposing numbers like a Social Security number will get your return rejected because it doesn't match your name. 
But the single biggest mistake, Joe, is one really of sadness because the biggest mistake I see, especially in these latter days, is when a taxpayer simply leaves off a benefit or leaves off a credit or leaves off a deduction in the haste to get it done. And there is no backstop at the IRS or, or with any tax professional or any software that will catch that you left off your home office deduction or you left off you know, depreciation or you left off your cell phone bill and you're a gig economy or an independent contractor. So leaving something off your tax return is really the most unfortunate mistake because there's not really a good backstop for that. You leave off a W-2, you leave off some dividends, you leave off some sales of stock, the IRS will catch that pretty quickly. But you leave off a credit, earned income credit, one out of five, miss that, you're not likely to get a bigger check. You're just going to get the same money you asked for and that'll be unfortunate. It surprises me, Mark, that the IRS doesn't want to give you back more of your money. That's surprising to me. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that they need the dues, as they said in Animal House. Need the dues. So. Uh, now, what if you know today that it just isn't going to get done on time? What do you got to do then? Well, it's funny. You know, we have a lot of clients come in at the last minute, and they have their envelope or their shoebox, and they say, I need to extend. I'm not ready. And the unfortunate part of that is that an extension, which is an automatic six-month extension, all you have to do is e-file the form or mail the form, gives you till about October 15th to get it done. But it's not, Joe, it's not an extension of time to pay. So any real good tax pro will say, hey, we've still got to work up the numbers because if you're underpaid, you get a big penalty. And by the time you go through the machinations of you know, putting the income in and the deductions in, you might be missing a document. But with a phone call or a little bit of legwork, we find a lot of our folks plan to extend. They end up getting it done. The people who really extend are the ones waiting on some K-1 form from their business or their partnership. You know, but most everybody can do just a little bit more work. Uh, they can get that tax return done because you've got to do all the real work to compute the numbers anyway. And that's always a pleasant surprise, especially when 7 out of 10 folks still get a big fat refund this time of year. I love that advice. Just stop procrastinating because you feel so much better when it's out of the way and you just have it out of your hair. Why wait till October 15th? I know there's two different penalties, Mark, and you can, I think, help me with this. There's a failure to file penalty and a failure to pay penalty. Is that right? You're spot on. And the failure to file penalty is really inexcusable because all you have to do to avoid that pretty healthy penalty, which is about 5% per month of the unpaid balances, send in the form, send in the extension, or send in your tax return. And if you can't pay, there's a lot of different payment programs the IRS will work with you on to get you paid over an installment plan or put it on your credit card or whatever. But the point is the failure to just send in the paperwork, it's really an inexcusable penalty to get, but a lot of people get it. So for anyone who's thinking, I'm not going to get to it till next month or you know this summer, send in your extension at a minimum. Send in your forms. Even if you have to put an amount due that you didn't send in, that stops one of the two penalties. And for the other penalty, if I don't think that I have the money to pay, what do I do then? Well, that is unfortunate, but there's a lot of different ways to pay, the least of which is you know, put it on a credit card and get those valuable points. I never recommend that, but right. it's better than not paying and getting that penalty plus the interest. But the IRS, back in the recession days of a few years ago, realized real quickly if you just work with taxpayers, you, know, you can put them on a pretty fair and reasonable installment payment. And so they've got three or four plans now, depending on how much you owe and some of your other history. But you can apply for an automatic installment agreement if you owe nearly less than $50,000 and you've not had other bad history on your taxes and you've not missed filing in the past. So there's some really very favorable installment arrangements that the IRS will work with you on if, in fact, you owe and you don't have the money to pay. And so see a tax pro. They can walk you through that. But to ignore it, 
It's just going to say, give me some penalties, give me some interest. And in many cases, that grows faster and bigger than the taxes itself. So if you feel you can't pay and you're just wanting to you know, know what your options are, Good Tax Pro can walk you through that in pretty short order and at least tell you what you're going to be facing in the way of problems, if not solve the problem for you. Boy, fantastic, Mark. Uh, great advice. Uh, obviously, Jackson Hewitt can help. How do people find you guys online? Well, we have a great website at www.jacksonhewitt.com, and not only does it have a lot of the normal checklists and things you might overlook or not forget about and make sure you're ready to go see your pro or do it yourself even, all you really have to do is put your zip code in the little box up on the right, up pops the map with all the locations, the contact numbers. And to your point, I'll finish on this, Joe, this is the time of year where we've added extra people, extra hours, extra time. There's not a real good reason you know, not to go see somebody, even if it's not Jackson Hewitt. We're all pretty staffed up, so, so don't don't not go because you think there's not enough room in the office. Everybody's got help. If your guy can't see you, then you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Mark Stever from Jackson Hewitt. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes today. Great. Thanks for hosting me. I love how you just always disappear. Dude comes down here and you just start running. I'm nervous with other people around. <laughs> I don't do well in groups. I think you got to agree, though. One group you want to be in is a bunch of people filing your taxes tomorrow. You want to be in that group. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I think our second lesson is uh, target date funds. Not wonderful, but uh, better than just leaving your money sit in cash. I like to call people crazy. For me, it's a sign of endearment when you call people crazy. And I have to say that our next guest, OG... Is, uh, is definitely crazy. Jen Sincero is the number one New York Times bestselling author, success coach, and as she calls herself, motivational cattle prod. How do you like that? Are there unmotivational cattle prods? <laughs> I think a cattle prod. Pretty <laughs> In and of itself is motivational. Yeah, she's helped countless people transform their personal and professional lives via seminars, public appearances, newsletters, products, and of course, her book, which was called you are a badass. Uh, that wasn't her first book. She, in the early 90s, worked for CBS Records and wrote a very funny semi-autobiographical novel called Don't Sleep With Your Drummer. The book that really hit it, though, is, is that number one bestseller, which is You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. And of course, uh, now she has a brand new book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. And we could all use a little of that, OG. So It's a badassery. It's awesome. Coming down to the basement, Jen Sincero. And Jen Sincero joins us in the basement. Welcome, badass. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. I don't get to just call somebody I just met badass right away, but everybody does that to you, I have to imagine. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's also kind of awesome. It is. It is <laughs> awesome. There's nothing better than being a couple badasses sitting in my mom's basement. Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Well, let's talk about this because you weren't always a badass with money, were you? I wasn't. And actually, I had my own version of a basement, sort of, which was my garage. I was living in my garage totally broke in my 40s. And then one day I made the decision to not be a broke ass loser anymore and make some money. Well, and, and it's funny because you say in your book at the beginning, 
You were wallowing, I'm going to quote here, you're wallowing in what you call the, I don't know what to do with myself, quagmire, age 40. How did you even end up there, Jen? I just, I think I just got too obsessed with figuring it out in my brain before taking any action. And it was, you know, because you can roll things around in your mind for the rest of your life, pretty much. But once you get sick of sitting there and doing that, and you just start to take whatever action feels right, it'll lead you to the answers much more quickly than trying to figure it out in your head. But it's funny, you talk about the actions a lot. And I know that you've said in the past that you focused on some of the wrong things like free bread at the restaurant. I love your story about telling your friends you're not hungry, then the free bread appears and and it's all gone. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know, it's just just that like getting by attitude, like where can I get a free meal? Where can I get free drinks? You know, that's what I was focusing on instead of focusing on how can I make some more money? Well, and I get the feeling from you too, that it's about bandwidth, right? That you can only think about so many things. So why not train your brain to focus on the right things? Would that be true? Totally. And also, you know, what you focus on, you create more of. That's why when you're looking for a house to rent or something, suddenly for rent signs seem to appear everywhere. But of course they were always there. You know, so when you, what you focus on, you see all around you. So if you're focusing on being broke and finding the deals and, you know, your debt, everything, it just seems bigger. But when you start focusing on abundance and opportunity and things that you can do to change your life, you start to see those. It's funny because, you know, some people call this hocus pocus. And I know at one time or a bunch of, you know, mumbo jumbo, whatever, I focus on it and it materializes, yada, yada. You were at that point once on a trip to Las Vegas. Tell me about that. Well, I was at a coaching seminar and the speaker just totally blew my mind and I really wanted to work with him. He was a coach. And is this the story you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, okay, good. Yes. Um, so I've been, I've been, I have other stories from Las I'm Vegas. Sorry. This may not be the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should I tell the one I could tell on radio? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and anyway, it's kind of a long story, but I basically wanted to work with him and he cost $85,000 to work with privately. And I mean, that amount of money just seemed not only impossible, but completely irresponsible out of my league, 8 million things. But um, I had made the decision that I was changing my life. And I, instead of saying I can't afford it, which I would have done in the old days, I started thinking about, okay, how am I going to pull this off? And that was such a game changer. I forgot. You know, what's funny. That wasn't the story, but I I love that story. No, the other one was where they had you stand up and say something like, there's no place like more money or there was some. Oh, right. Well, yes, that was probably the same seminar, but yeah, I I mean, I, I would do anything. Like I, I was more sick of being broke than I was needing to be cool. You know what I mean? So even though I thought it was all hocus pocus and even though I thought it was super cheesy, I went to all of these seminars and would stand on my chair with my little name tag on and scream, I'm a wealth magnet. Like whatever I had to do, I showed up. But in your book, and not just in your book, but now it seems like your your mind has changed. Like this is true. If you don't believe it yourself, you're never going to get there. Oh my gosh. I am the biggest loudmouth disciple of all this woo-hooery because I've seen it work over and over in my life. And I've been a coach for over 10 years and I see it work in my clients' lives over and over. My dad for a long time collected Santa Clauses. We bought him Santa Clauses all the time. You have a friend with an owl collection. Can you tell me a little bit about her? 
Well, um, she, you know, mentioned in passing one day while shopping with her mother that she thought there was like a little owl figurine or something that she thought was kind of cool. And then her mother took that and ran with it. So for the next like five years, everybody gave her owl soap on a rope and owl cross stitch, owl t-shirts that would just completely out of control. And I use this story in my book to show how important it is to stick up for what makes you happy. You know, everybody sort of expected her to be this owl person and she was hates owls now. She was completely inundated with them and decided she didn't want them anymore. So much to the disappointment of her entire family and friend group, she was like, the next person who gives me an owl is getting their head chopped off. So, you know, they didn't want to hear it. They identified her as a certain person and they were really disappointed when she changed, which is often what happens to us when we decide to stop being the broke person or the single person or the overweight person and make a big change in our life. It disappoints the people around us. And a lot of times that's what stops us from doing it. It's like you feel this commitment to the past to continue to be the same person you used to be. Exactly. Because the biggest human fear is the fear of abandonment. So if you change, you risk being abandoned by the people you love because you're going to be different. And that is, is a very driving force in us. But what do you have to do to counter that though, Jen? You know, it seems to me that you have to leverage where you're going enough to get over that fear. Yeah. I mean, you, you basically have to focus on what you're going to gain from the change rather on what you fear losing from the change. It really, I mean, this is the thing that just, I found to be so almost insulting that I wasted 40 years living in a converted garage, you know, that it wasn't that hard. Like the, the great thing about this quote unquote hocus pocus is the power of your focus and the power of paying really close attention to what makes you feel good and raising your energy and your emotional connection to what you're doing. That's how you change your life. It's so funny as you're talking, I'm thinking I spent, uh, you know, I've, I've always been fairly successful, but I had a period during my financial planning career where there was maybe five years where my income didn't grow. I was really spinning my wheels. I wasn't sure what I wanted to focus on. I met this woman who was a coach. I thought that, okay, uh, I'll, I'll try her out. But but once again, I thought nothing was going to change. I think my income went up by 85 or 90,000 that year, which for me at the time, I mean, that was just, and still to me today, that's a, it was a huge difference just because I changed my mindset and started mm. thinking about where I wanted to be. And maybe it was also, Jen, the saying it out loud thing. And I know you talk about this in your book, but this idea of having a mantra and saying it out loud, like people think that's baloney, but I think that sometimes your ears have to hear it, you know? Absolutely. And then when you start looking at what you are saying out loud, like my mantra forever was, I can't afford it. I said, I can't afford it. It was kind of my answer to pretty much anything you asked me. And when I made the decision to, to make money, I, I stopped myself from saying that. I, every time I was about to say it, I'd switch it to, I live in an abundant universe and I receive money with great glee or something like that to change my focus on looking to where the money could come from, looking to new opportunities, opening up my mindset. It's such a game changer. What's the science behind this, Jen? Because you've been doing this for, for a long time now. Yeah. And, and it is, it's, it's a couple of things. It is, we are ruled by our subconscious mind. So for those of you who don't know this stuff, it's, it's basically whatever you're raised believing, whatever your parents and society tell you when you're a little kid gets lodged in your subconscious mind is the truth. And because when you're a kid, you haven't developed that analytical part of your brain that can sort of question it. So if they tell you that money is hard to make, 
you're an idiot, you know, you never get to do fun things to make money, that's going to be your subconscious belief. So when you grow up to be an adult and you're trying to make money and, you know, you consciously would love some money, if your subconscious mind thinks it's going to be no fun or put you at risk of looking like a moron or put you at risk of being abandoned, you won't let yourself do it. So that's why becoming aware of your thoughts and beliefs is the very first and biggest, most important step to changing your life. Because once you become aware of what's going on in your subconscious, you empower yourself to change it. And I absolutely love stories. And you tell a story uh, about this, I think very close, to, if not this very topic in the book, when you, you went to Italy a lot as a kid, by the way, that would suck having to go to Italy all the time, to <laughs> man. But uh, how does that figure into your bunny story? Can you tell the Italy story? So my dad grew up in Naples and um, we were, you know, having some gigantic Italian feast at some restaurant and this plate of deep fried circles showed up in front of me and my father was like, no, go ahead, eat one. I was terrified to eat it because I didn't know what it was and he wouldn't tell me what it was. And of course, in my mind, I was like, what could you deep fry that would turn into a circle? And I was like, it's got to be worms. You know, there's nothing else on earth that could look like that. And I was so terrified and so grossed out, but my entire, we had a million relatives over there and they're all watching me and waiting for me to eat this thing. And so out of pride, I, I made myself eat it and I'm gagging and waiting for it to explode in my mouth and I'm so grossed out. And it ended up not being that bad at all. And it ended up being calamari. It was the first time I had calamari. But, you know, because in my mind I had made it worms, I was gagging, like my whole body reacted as if that's what it was. And that's how powerful our thoughts are. You know, if you keep telling yourself something over and over, you will create that reality, be it a great reality or a crappy reality. Do you speak with your hands a lot like most Italian people? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to hold the microphone on my headset with one hand, but the other one is flying all around the room. <laughs> I think it's a prerequisite. When I went to Italy, I had to start speaking with my hands, like just to fit in, you know? Well, they don't understand you. They can't hear you if you don't. <laughs> That's so great. I would like you, if you don't mind, Jen, because it looks like we're running out of time, but you had an incident with your mother one morning. She had an empty coffee cup. Do you mind telling us about that? Because I thought this was another, your, your book is so full of wonderful analogies, and this is just another of 50 bajillion of them. Oh, thank you. Well, so my mother one day, she was on the board of trustees of her little suburban town, you know, all sort of well-to-do upstanding people. And discovered that she was misusing a word. Um, she <laughs> thought the word twat meant twit. So in front of her entire committee, she was saying things, you know, like what stupid twat put a stop sign at the end of Elm Road or what stupid twat thought it would be a good idea to plant roses in the meeting. So everybody in town was a stupid twat. And she had no idea what she was saying until finally one of the members pulled her aside and told her to clean up her act, much to her extreme horror. She was completely humiliated. But um, I use this in the book as an example of the power of our words and how often we misuse words, especially the word money. You know, we call money the root of all evil when it's actually greed that is the root of all evil. And if you want to make some money, if you keep bad-mouthing it, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder. So getting very clear on how you speak about money and, you know, getting clear about what you're saying is super important. That's such a great story. And I felt so, <laughs> I felt so horrified for your mom. She must have been, oh my oh. gosh. 
I can't. Well, thank God she has an excellent sense of humor, but it was <laughs> it was rough. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I know where you got it from then, Jen. The book is You're a Badass at Making Money. The book's out tomorrow. Available where at? Um, everywhere in bookstores, indie bookstores, online, my website, which is jensincero.com. And that's J-E-N and then Sincero is spelled like sincere with an O on the end. So J-E-N-S-I-N-C-E-R-O.com. We'll have a link also on our show notes at stackybedjamins.com to jensincero.com. Jen, it was great hanging out with you. Thanks for spending a little time with us. Oh, my pleasure. This was super fun. Thanks so much. Hi everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. I got an announcement. There's sunshine coming in through those little windows along the top of the basement today. Uh, you know, maybe it's time for a much needed vacation to the beach or you know, maybe I could even see if Gertrude down at the Sizzler will pony up the big money so we can visit the world's biggest ball of twine together. That's not for the faint of heart. I'm talking about Gertrude, not the ball of twine. Anyway, here's a vacation-oriented question for you. What continental state has more shoreline than the entire eastern seaboard? I'll be back with your answer right after this. I'm so thankful we have two great sponsors for the Stacking Benjamins podcast. Our first one is Magnify Money. They've been a longtime sponsor of our show, as many of you know. And if you head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, like many of you have, you'll know why. And what I love about them is that Nick Clemens, the CEO at Magnify Money, tells people that you can use the surfing strategy. You surf down to a 0% interest rate. And then when your interest rate starts to come back up, you surf to a different card. Nick Clemens says that's a great strategy, but it also has some pitfalls. Uh, it's it's painful if you stay around when the promotional period is over, but it has, it's actually really, really easy to move the debt when you're done. So it's more laziness that gets people stuck in the balance transfer than, than anything else. Banks are betting on laziness. <laughs> That's a tagline right there. So whether you're comparing your checking account, savings account, or your credit cards, head to stackingbenjamins.com and surf safely. Don't be lazy. And here's the transition. How about this? First time I heard about SoFi, our other sponsor, was from Nick. Nick, who you just heard from magnifymoney.com. And the reason was, he said the SoFi was awesome. So I looked into him and guess what? Not only were they awesome, they decided to become our sponsor. I asked Dan Macklin how hard the process is when it comes to getting a loan from SoFi. It's really easy. You go to SoFi.com and apply. It takes about 10 minutes. We ask for a few pieces of information. And then we will approve you or not approve you uh, instantly in the vast majority of cases. So within 10 minutes, you'll know if you have a rate, uh, what that rate is. And we'll show you calculations as to how much money you can save. So it's extremely quick and simple. Easy process. Great people. And Nick at Magnify Money loves them. How great's that? Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, S-O-F-I. And that'll tell Dan and the team over there at SoFi that we sent you. And if the sponsor ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Hi, everyone. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Welcome back. I've been looking at photos online of the world's biggest ball of twine, and man, 
I'll just say that this is probably the third biggest gift to mankind behind cheese grits and those little trees you put in your best shoes. Who thought of those? Well, let's get back to vacations because before the break, I asked you this question. What continental state has more shoreline than the entire eastern seaboard? The answer? Michigan. Now that information comes directly from the state of Michigan's website, so I would be a little skeptical. Those folks are sketchy. Yeah, that's like the Chicago Cubs bragging about supposedly winning the World Series last year. Whatever. Find that in a reputable publication and I'll believe it. See ya! Big thanks again to Jen Sincero for coming down to the basement. Oh, gee, she and I spent a lot of time talking about how a lot of these, you know, the mantra thing and the telling yourself, there's no place. It, it all seems kind of woo-woo, but there's there's truth in it. There's power. You can't fool yourself. That's one of the greatest things that I got out of, I don't know, Tony Robbins or Wayne Dyer or somebody like that. It was basically, you are the most trustworthy person that you know of. Yeah, that self-talk is so important. And if you tell yourself, I'm a dummy, I'm a dummy, I'm a dummy, your brain goes, yeah, I guess you're a dummy. I can't tell you the number of times that I worked with people that had massive debt who their self-talk was so horrible. I knew I wasn't going to help them. Oh, well, yeah. They're like, well, I'm just a big spender. Yeah. yeah. I just <laughs> overspend on things. I can't keep it under control. You, like, you, and yeah. you're gone. You keep you keep telling yourself that yep. it's never going to get better. It's like my it's like Mrs. OG playing golf. I'm the world's worst putter. I'm like, no, don't say that. Right, right before she putts. <laughs> right before you putt. I'm like, no, no, don't. Like, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make it. 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 I'm a great putter. I'm a great putter. Yeah, putting and money. Don't you always make money putting? Isn't that what they say? Driving's for show, putting's for dough. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know that I have anything. To I'm add, trying so. to put those things together. See, that's yes. my segue. Right. Uh, good work. How about this segue? Let's throw out David Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most, your family and your time. I like that word disrupting because I think that's true. How many other policies do you know that are completely online? And if you are a qualified healthy applicant, you can skip the medical exam. They've created this high quality, affordable term life policy backed by industry giant Mass Mutual. So here's what you do. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. In fact, we got a letter, OG, recently from Marissa who said that she tried to buy Haven Life Insurance in California. And that is one of only a couple states where you can't yet get it. So I reached, I reached out to our friend Brittany at Haven Life and told her what Marissa said. And she said, I can't tell you when, but it's on the way. It's so coming. California, hang in there. Haven Life is on the way, and we'll, we'll let you know on the show. Uh, and, of course, you know, they talk about your family and your time. If you're thinking about having children, that probably is the most important time to think about. Maybe I need some life insurance. A couple of different times in your life. That's a, one of the biggest ones. That is a huge one. Uh, let's right now throw out the life. That's line. what she said. Let's right now throw out the the Haven Lifeline to our friend Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Hannah, and I have a question about health savings accounts. Uh, my husband and I have $18,000 in a health savings account. About half is in cash, and the other half is invested in a U.S. total stock market fund. Uh, we can't contribute to our HSA for at least the next year, and we also don't expect to need the money unless I get 
mauled by a bear or something equally catastrophic? Shouldn't we invest the money like it's a retirement account? Uh, Should we keep a bunch of money in cash? Um, We don't really do bonds anywhere else, but the bond funds seem pretty good. So we could allocate money to lower volatility options. I'm just not sure how we should think about this, given that it used to be something that we needed cash for, but now probably isn't so much a part of our immediate cash needs. Thanks. Thank you, Hannah. Smartest thing she said there was, we don't do bond funds. So OG, her HSA. This comes up from time to time when you might change jobs and you get a different health plan and you've got this HSA, but now you've got a different health insurance that makes it so you don't need an HSA anymore. Maybe they just cover more options or whatever the case may be. Investing in an HSA is very similar to investing anywhere else. You want to make sure that the money that you might need in the short term is liquid in cash and the rest of it is fair game for investing. Got to be aware of a couple of things. Firstly, if the HSA provider requires a minimum amount in cash without charging a fee, some of them have, you know, you got to keep 3000 in cash or we charge you $5 a month, that sort of thing. Uh, you want to be aware of that. But if you look into the future and say, we've got another health plan or we've got another insurance option that makes it so we don't need this cash, then by all means, invest the money. Usually the rule of thumb is, that's kind of the way that I think about it anyway, is you want to have your maximum out-of-pocket money in cash for the year. So if your plan says, hey, we're going to need to spend $6,000 out-of-pocket before the insurance kicks in, then you might want to keep about $6,000 in cash and the rest can get invested. And or if you're regularly contributing to it, you can kind of account for those monthly deposits as well. But um, but yeah, if you don't need the money, you don't think you're going to need the money, you don't live by any bears, off you go. <laughs> uh, I like that. I don't have anything to add. How, how's that? Thanks for the question, Hannah. First you, time in a long time. If you've got a question for the Haven Lifeline, uh, send those to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail and see how easy it was. Anna stepped up to the plate, asked her question, and OG knocked it out of the park for her. And uh, we saved Hannah from the bears. That's good. Duh, bears. We also get letters to the show, and Doug just uh, brought down the mail. Let's see what we have today. This comes to us from Bobby. Bobby says, hey, Joe and OG and everyone, longtime listener, first-time writer. You're my 14th favorite movie recommendation podcast. Congratulations. Yeah, that's not our strong suit, as Bobby uh, very well points out. He goes, though I read, haven't heard it myself firsthand, that you also answer personal finance questions. My question deals with whether I should invest money into a taxable account instead of my retirement account. I'm a 25-year-old unmarried man who is a public school teacher. Within the next five to seven years, I'd like to purchase a home, condo, townhouse, etc. I'm happy with my job at present. We'll receive a full pension when I'm eligible to retire, which will be at age 57. While it's always possible I'll decide to change jobs or careers, I'll still qualify for a partial pension, even if it's not the full amount. The pension system I'm enrolled in would pay me 60% of the average salary of my highest grossing five years each year until I die. Currently make about $70,000 a year and will earn moderate raises moving forward. Because I'll receive a pension and Social Security benefits, I'm wondering whether it makes sense for me to scale back my retirement contributions and instead put the money into a taxable account, which should be used for a larger down payment on a future house. Currently, I'm putting 6000 into my taxable account every year, max out my 403B plan. That's 403B, a lot like a 401k. And my Roth IRA and contribute $500 a month into the taxable account. 
My total expenditures each month is about $2,000 inclusive of rent, food, fund money. I have no student debt, credit card debt, or car payment. Currently, my net worth consists of $29,000 in the Roth IRA, $28,000 in the 403B, $84,000 in the taxable accounts, uh, $10,000 in cash. Any advice you have to offer would be sincerely appreciated, Bobby. Great letter, Bobby. Uh, yeah. congratulations on doing a lot of stuff, right? You know, pension and social security. So should he scale back that 403B? Not in a million years. Yeah. That doesn't make me very comfortable. We talk about a lot on the, on the show here about the effect of compounding and the money that you're investing today is going to have the most opportunity for it to double and the money that you contribute when you're 55, of course, right before you retire, will have the least opportunity. So you want to get as much of those most opportunities as you can. I don't know what size house you're looking for. You didn't give that away, but uh, with 84,000, did you say 84,000 or 8,400 in a regular account? It says 84,000. 84,000 in a regular account. That's a pretty healthy uh, investment account for a 25 year old, let alone a down payment fund. If you're counting that as your down payment fund, um, yeah, I don't know where you live or what kind of size house you're looking for, but if you're shopping in the $300,000 house range, uh, which is, I would say, a pretty nice house. That's already 20% and then some. So I'd be comfortable with that. I think that you got to plan for what happens if that pension gets cut in half. A lot of the news these days, especially around municipal pensions, state pensions, is around the fact that those pensions aren't funded very well. And what that means is that they assumed that they were going to get 10% a year return, but they're really getting seven or six or five, you know. And so they've got lots of money coming out and not a lot of money going in because they're using faulty assumptions. And that's causing a lot of problems. So my concern would be if that pension value or if your benefit value got cut in half, would you still be able to make it? You know, 60% of your income in retirement plus Social Security might get you pretty close right now, but I'd rather err on the side of flexibility. Well, and I'd also err on the side of safety. And th there's a good documentary out there called Broken Eggs. It's a film about the looming retirement crisis. You can find it at brokeneggsfilm.com. We had the creators on, if you remember, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, some years OG. ago, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, just talks about retirement. You know, they talk about retirement as a three-legged stool, right? You have uh, government benefits. That's the Social Security part of Bobby's question. He's, he says he has Social Security. And then the second one is pensions. And then the third one is your own savings, right? So, so they call that the three-legged stool. Well, in this film, they talk about how broken two of those legs really are, about how the pension, I mean, how many times have you and I talked about pensions and all the bad things that could still happen to pensions? Like We don't know, and at, at Bobby's age, who knows what's going to go on with pensions? Yeah, 35 years from now or 32 yeah. years from now, that's a long time. Yeah, so betting on that, number one, is sketchy. We've, we're hearing again, as we talk about lots of reforms in, in Washington and having to do things, knocking on the social security door again, which personally, I think they should. <laughs> I, th I, I mean, there's no way that ball continues the way that it is now. But so between now, well, and I think if they change it, if they change it now and give people 30, 40 years to figure it out, yeah, you know, you're right. okay. Right. 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 But, but once again, for Bobby, social security is not going to be the way that it is now, if it's got to be different, if right? the expected Four stuff years. happens. So what his question to me says is I have this three-legged stool 
should I take the one that I control and put less money away because I have the two that are sketchy left? Um, yeah. And I'd say, no, don't rely on the other two. Rely on it to some degree. But Now, arguably, his question isn't whether he should stop saving, but rather he should, should he save into a different place. Right. And I don't know that I would do that either. You know, you're getting some tax benefits by the increased contributions in your 403B. You've got the Roth IRA that you're maxing out. But still, a lot of this is behavioral. If he saves into the 403B, he knows that's retirement money in his mind. It's oh, yeah. funny. Recently, I was reading a piece that I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago that, that was fascinating about dividends. And it was stocks make money a couple ways. Number one is they appreciate in value. And number two is they pay a dividend, right? Those are two ways they make money. And, and they asked a bunch of investors, if you had an expense today and all you have is the stock, would you rather take the dividend and spend it or sell some of the stock? And every person listening to the show should know it doesn't matter, right? I mean, if you're, if you're reinvesting the dividend, it doesn't matter. It's all growth. And yet, which one did people pick? They always picked that they would feel horrible if they sold off shares of the stock. They would much rather take the dividend. And people are much more likely to spend the dividend on stuff that doesn't matter versus sell stock on stuff that doesn't matter was their point. I think the 403B versus the taxable account is kind of the same way. You're yeah. going to spend the 403B on retirement. If it's in the taxable account, you're you're going to go, oh, well, maybe. Your mind says that there's more options available for you. Yeah, yeah. So the 403B kind of hides money there too. So I wouldn't change your plan. I like it so far. Yeah. Uh, Buy a reasonable house. And I don't know that you need to wait five years. Buy it, be done with it. Get the darn thing paid off and move on. Become a homeowner, Bobby. Just what is that? Yeah, if you want to, if you want to spend a whole bunch of money on different things, just go buy a house. <laughs> you got all sorts of stuff you get to spend money on. Then I'm thinking senses blow down, th then, you know, you know thinking, windows break with hail. You got all sorts of stuff. Thinking of that old uh, that commercial of the guy in his riding lawnmower and he's got the beautiful house. The family's like, "How do I afford all this? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs." Yeah. Remember that there one? You go. That's good mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, thanks, Bobby. If you've got a question, uh, a letter for us, you know, this is our last week before the break. We're on break next week. For those of you new to the show, we podcast for eight weeks and then it's time for us to clean the junk out of the basement. Uh, Griffin, the intern. And they're we, talking about me. We, we, we call him the Finturd. Comes down here and plays best of shows next week. So we've got that coming up. But the reason I bring that up is because we're about six weeks behind on uh, letters. We'll so you're in the queue if we you haven't be, heard it yet. We will be seven weeks behind, though, after that. A much quicker way, head to the Haven Lifeline, stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And uh, Hannah uh, just sent us that, I believe, uh, two weeks ago. So much quicker. And if you've got uh, big-time financial questions and you need help in your corner, you need a good financial advisor in your corner, OG's taking clients. And you know what that means for you? It's your lucky day. Go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG and jump on his calendar about what it would take to have him as your financial advisor in your corner. All right. That is a wrap, my friend. Thank you to everybody who's left us a review. We, OG, are sitting at... 341 reviews of this year podcast. And I would love it if before the break, we could set a challenge of getting to 350. And we know how many people out there have left us reviews. Think about the people that haven't left a review of the show. That helps us so much find new listeners. It helps new listeners know what they're getting into with the show. 
So thank you very much for everybody who's done that. But if we get to 350, do the big push, that's great. Let me tell you about a review going on Mom's Fridge. Apps Rule 0000000 says, five stars, really enjoyable podcast. I do look forward to listening to this podcast. Well, we do look forward to making it, Apps Rule. It is my favorite personal finance podcast, and I've tried many before this one came along. It has a lot of variety and will appeal to a wide range of listeners because it's very entertaining, and there's always a small chance I might learn something. I like the different formats from OG to the Roundtable crew. Thanks a ton for that, and uh, Mom's popping that baby on the fridge. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Happy Monday. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Stacking more Benjamins. So what did we learn today? First, Jen Sincero had it right. Making money is about knowledge and numbers, but it's also about mindset. You can be a badass at making money, get your subconscious mind working, then go on the attack and don't give up. Second, tax day is tomorrow. So get those taxes filed. As Mark Stieber from Jackson Hewitt said, while maybe you can't pay, there are huge fines if you don't file. So at least file your taxes. In the words of a great philosopher, get her done. But the big lesson, if you work with a guy named Steve, don't let him near your microphone. That guy's trying to take over the place and we got to rise up and protest. Who's with me? A big thank you to Jen Sincero. You'll find a link to her site, jensincero.com, and her new book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC. The show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by Steve Stewart. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just brought this podcast in for a landing. Hashtag superstar. Hashtag, yeah, I just said that. Time for some, what I thought was pretty hilarious news. This comes to us from Esquire. What if you were a contestant on a year-long season of Survivor? Would you do that, by the way? Survivor or a year-long version of it? A year-long version of Survivor. No. No? But would you do Survivor? Would you be on Survivor? Probably not that either. It wouldn't. I did real-life Survivor. I'm good. <laughs> 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 I've done the real life version of that game show. I like the people that write us and tell us that they were on camping trips for courtesy of the U S government. Isn't that great? U S government yeah. sponsored camping trip. What yeah. if you were a contestant 
on a one-year-long season of Survivor, except the season got canceled and nobody told you. That's what happened to contestants on the Scottish reality show Eden. They spent a year in the wilderness. Sounds way better than Survivor. They spent a year in the wilderness as survivalists, even though the show stopped airing in August 2016, got cut after only four episodes. It was a show that sought to answer the question, what would happen if humans had to form a society from scratch? The show filmed 23 contestants living in the Scottish wilderness for a year with no contact with or help from the modern world, although 13 of the contestants quit the show before the end, much like the show's viewers. The remaining 10, however, stuck it out and lived off the land of the, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that, Ardna Merchant Peninsula for the entire year as a society. Here's a here's a trailer from uh, the show at the beginning. Twenty-three total strangers. Under the Ellibrick Road. Hello. Alone and cut off from civilization for an entire year. So this is it, home. This is brilliant. I think you're exaggerating there. I used to live in a house. Will the combination of their individual skills and experience be enough to survive? The people that don't get stuck in are the ones that are going to struggle. This is a place that we're going to need to put some work and effort into. Come on, fella, let's go, come on. What if we could start again? Where did you wake up this morning, Steve? Next to quite a lot of these, actually. We have done so, so well and absolutely smashed expectations. What we've got is amazing. Eden. Starts Monday, the 18th of July on 4. Eden ends August four weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) But. How bad would that be? Well, but see, the thing is, is that, you know, it's not like they were filming it live, right? I mean, they probably filmed the show. They must have cameras out there the entire time. Yeah, but they film the show, right? It's like they don't film Survivor in real time. When you watch it on TV, it's already happened. Now, this apparently was... was Maybe they're just a couple of weeks ahead or something, basically. Yes, yeah, as participants allegedly had no contact with the outside world, were unaware of current events, took place during their absence, like for the uh, Brexit and the election of Donald Trump as president of the United States. Channel 4 explained the bizarre choice to continue filming after the show was canceled in a statement to The Guardian. Quote, the appeal of Eden is that it was a real experiment. And when filming began, we had no idea what the results would be and how those taking part would react to being isolated for months in a remote part of the British Isles. That's why we did it. And the story of their time, including the highs and the lows, will be shown later this year. So they're going to turn some of the participants left the show early, criticized it. Contestant Tom Waugh called the show out on Twitter for being a load of rubbish and another word that we can't say. So... (laughs) I used to want to do, uh, do you remember Eco Challenge? The show Eco Challenge was on Discovery. It was like Mark Burnett's first deal. Yeah, I saw one episode. I mean, it was a long time ago, right? It was I saw one 20 episode, years yeah. ago. It was like that 3,000 mile race or 300 mile race or something like that. And it would be always these weird places. And you'd get your team together. And gosh, that seemed really fun at the time. But, um, but then I did it in real life. Like the, eco challenge, those, I did real life eco challenge, and it wasn't as fun. It's not nearly the, <laughs> not nearly the hilarity you thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty wild, right? All right, everybody, uh, we'll see you Wednesday. Hey, I gotta go eat some Easter candy. Mm. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be 
a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.